Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Trail Culture. I'm your host, Ian Robertson, and I'm so stoked you're tuning in. Today we've got Dr. Sean J. Jacobs on the podcast. She's a lecturer at Stellenbosch University and is an expert in the fields of strength and conditioning, fitness, and elite sport policy. This chat really is just to get people thinking about some of the specific challenges athletes face within the South African context. Part two will take a deep dive into training as a female athlete and community involvement. I encourage you all to read her full dissertation. You'll find the link in the show notes, and I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Okay, cool. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Trail Culture. Um, there's something slightly different in the pipeline today. This is actually going to be our first episode that is going to have two parts. So just because of the caliber of the guests that I've got on on today, there's a lot to discuss. And today we're going to be starting with part one. Uh, keep, uh, keep an eye out for part two. And yeah, just to start the intro, an absolute legend, a friend, a role model, a teacher. Um, yeah, Shawnee really does it all from research to running. And it is my privilege to welcome Dr. Jacobs, um, affectionately known as Shawnee or Shondre. Um, I, it took me a really long time to accept not <laughs> calling you Dr. Jacobs. Um, she is currently training for the Maxi Race 75K as well as UTCT. Uh, and she is also probably simultaneously changing the research world as we as we speak. So yeah, it's really great to have you, Dr. J. Welcome and thanks so much for being here. Thank you very much. <laughs> awesome. So to kick us off, um, Dr. J, can you just um, give us a little bit of background about where your passion for, for research comes from? I mean, your accolades are numerous in the research and publication world, and we're going to take a, a bit of a deeper look at one of your the publications that you put out there last year. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, from un understanding sport policy in South Africa at both an elite and a recreational level to the open systems approach, I mean, all your research, we could talk about it all day. And in the context of trail culture, I'm really <laughs> excited. But yeah, where did your passion for research start and give us an overview of where you're at currently? Yeah, so I've always had a bit of an inquisitive mind. And I think when I came to university, that was, um, you know, prickled a little bit. So at sports science, we learned different methodologies in terms of training and how the body adapts to, you know, whether it's speed, endurance and all of that. And I remember quite vividly in my second year fitness, I sat there and I was like, wow, what is this? You know, fitness and training the human body and looking at the effect of one training method over, say, a six-week um, intervention yeah. versus eight weeks, 12 weeks, and what that could actually do to the body and the adaptations and then linking that to performance. So I think that was the first um, initiation into, wow, I really love research and just understanding why certain things work and yes. other things don't work. It really just prickled that thought of, hmm, there's actually a field called research. Awesome. And I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Then, yeah, research. We are the research world. Thanks you. And we're super happy to, <laughs> to have you there. And yeah, just from my side, I remember the first day, I think, well, met is a, is a strong word, that, but when, <laughs> when you stood up as one of my, my lecturers and the first thought that I had was this, this woman has got the most incredible character and energy and I was like, I can't wait to learn from you and, and oh, the really? same still applies today. Oh, I think yeah. you brought 
uh, a necessary excitement and energy to the sports science department at Stellenbosch. And yeah, it's just been really cool to, to watch you grow in that space and to <laughs> learn from you. Oh, that's wonderful. Thanks so much. <laughs> um, and Shawnee, so your, your latest or your latest article, or one of them is the title is Contextual Factors Influencing the South African Elite Sporting System and Open Systems Approach. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to be focusing on today. You guys will be able to find all the details in in the show notes. If you've got time, this is an incredible read for anybody mm-hmm. who's interested in, in sport policy and, and how that, that makes a change within the South African context. But with this article in mind, to what extent do you think that contextual factors influence an elite sporting system, i.e. trail running mm-hmm. in South Africa? Yeah. So it's a very it's a very complex paper, but it's a very needed paper. So it was the one paper that I had no framework to actually work on. Um, sure. The literature always states that we need to understand and refer and incorporate contextual factors when trying to understand elite sporting systems. But um, no one actually delved into it. Um, and yes. because at that time I was doing an international PhD uh, with Freya Universiteit Brussel, um, I was working with the best in the in the world on that research. And um, we just said, okay, but now we need to create something from nothing. So sure. it basically looks at, um, you know, social, cultural, political, and economic factors and how that could influence an elite sporting system. Yeah. Because, you know, if we look at a sport, it is penetrated and infiltrated by all of these various factors. So if you look at the trail running sport, um, if I could look at economic factors... Um, trail running is quite expensive so yeah, if you can compare sure. it to mountain biking or you know and unfortunately I do both sports <laughs> um, but trail running I actually thought about it yesterday because it's a hydration pack that you need it is um, water it is noons it's uh, nutrition so your gels it is trails running shoes it is the clothing that you need to wear then you need to have rain gear it is the races and how much that costs, so the yeah. entries. It is quite expensive. So if you look at a South African setting, we live in a country where 50% of the population lives below the poverty line. So if you don't have a specific resource, yes. then it's very hard for you to participate in the sport. And then you ask the question to be competitive, you know, at a very high level. If you don't have that resource and you're not sponsored, it is quite difficult um, to actually just get into the sport. So from an economic perspective, it's, it's very difficult. And then if you look at the social side, it's more... You know, being a woman, it, it is the safety aspect yes. and how that contributes to why people choose sport or why they don't. So Absolutely. some people might choose road running over trail running just because they feel safer running on the road. There are more cars around. It's less remote. Yes, 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 exactly. So it is those type of factors that we don't think about, but they actually influence the reason why we do certain sports and why we don't. Yes. So it's just understanding the context that actually surrounds the, the, the sport and being able to incorporate that and bring about change. And that can be on a smaller scale. Uh, it doesn't have to be a big, large scale. But, um, yeah, we must just try and focus on that and, and make the sport as inclusive as possible. You yeah, know? incredible. No, and the, all the, the factors that influence whether it's a conscious or subconscious decision and, and in terms of accessibility as mm-hmm. well, you know, getting in a, living in a country where a public transport system isn't necessarily guaranteed, meeting, yeah. getting to 
uh, a training session or somewhere um, at all, or let alone on time. You know, mm-hmm. that's something that's that's also to be considered. And as you've mentioned, trail running is a lot more than just uh, a pair of tackies. Mm. I think. I mean, even if you look at the cost of, of tackies, it's not just yeah, yeah, just a pair of tackies. Um, yeah, and I think there's a lot that is incredibly simple about the sport that we can appreciate and mm. the spaces it takes us, us to. But yeah, there's a lot to to look at in terms of how can we how can we improve how can we be bringing mm-hmm. bringing people into the sports yeah. um, across the board yeah. yeah and it has it has increased over the last few years i mean um before covid i think we did have a, a lot of numbers of people participating but since covid 19 there has been a massive increase in yes. people participating in trail running um i think it's because we were homebound and we couldn't explore and get out in nature or just get out in general so people started taking up more nature type of activities so hiking mountain biking and trail running was one of the sports that became very popular so you could see a massive increase in people participating and where do you see it in in the shops and in the stores that sell bikes etc all of them were sold out with with a lot of the bicycles as well as the trail running kits the hydration packs and all of those things in there like what is happening is people are just have this hunger to want to get out into nature and um, I think the trail culture has also increased that as well with all the different trail crews around Cape Town the Stellenbosch area Mm. Um, it has just really made it more inviting for people to want to participate in the sport despite you know the financial and the safety aspects and even the distance um, that could affect people wanting to be in the sport yeah Yeah. and I and even seeing that in terms of race big races introducing the the shorter distances mm. i i saw just this week that that maxi race south africa has got uh, they used to have kind of everything from from 100k 75 the marathon and mm. now they've introduced a 30k as well which is kind of bridges the gap between the half marathon and the marathon and then mm-hmm. there was a 13k run and now i see what's been included as a 7k kind of startup run and then even a 3k um, like kids, kids run, which mm-hmm. which is so so cool for me. Just that that level of mm. of inclusivity, being able to bring the whole family out to to do something like that, yeah, yeah, to participate in a in a race. And you know, for me, I looked at you know not only race entries, but you, you rightfully say rightfully say in terms of the distances, because the higher you go in terms of distance, and the further the athletes have to run, the more they need. Yes. So the shorter distances is a nice introduction to the sport getting people out on the trails whereby if we focus on these ultra distances we're going to have a small pool of people who have who don't necessarily have all the equipment or the nutrition or even the money um you know to participate in those in those races yeah and that just could be a limiting factor you know it's not just am i am i fit enough or do i have enough time to train Mm. for this ultra it's do i do i literally have the resources to to invest into this yeah Um, the compulsory get the things that you need um it's quite difficult you know and then you just mentioned about the training then we live in a world where trail running is not a professional sport which means you have to you know work and you have to participate in the sport so a lot of us work and then you know after work or before work we need to fit our training in so it's easy if you're doing a 20k or maybe a 25k run to get that in 
But if you are training for ultras, yeah, <laughs> you're going to have you know. to get your trainings in. So yeah. it's really difficult, you know, having a sport that is not as professional as like a rugby, for instance. Um, it's very yes. difficult to bridge that gap between people who having a full daytime job and then yes. still wanting to be competitive in the trail running scene. And, and I'm just so incredibly proud of the level of athlete that that South Africa is managing to produce and, and that they are competitive within their respective kind of specialities within mm. the trail running world on the, the global yeah. stage. I yeah. think even if we look at um, UTMB happening happening this weekend, mm. I think a bunch of us are planning to dot watch um, <laughs> all weekend, um, yeah. which which is awesome. And just knowing, you know, a couple of the, the men and women that are that are there and that South Africa has managed to, um, you know, produce them i i I don't think they've sent them there necessarily but just that they they are competitive and managing despite what you've just mentioned Mm. and i think the nine to five job when trying to perform on on a world stage um where within countries that these athletes are competing against they Mm. have the opportunity for trail running to be their career Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, it's yeah. just actually incredible that yeah. that we've yeah. got athletes who are out there and really giving them around for yeah. their money. It makes me makes me really proud. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And we know, you know, as sports scientists, recovery and you know just getting your sleep in and getting your trainings in, but also you know nutrition is quite key to having a good performance. But here you have someone yes. here in South African setting working nine to five, trying to put their training. You yes. know squeezing it in maybe getting a lunch quick you know 45 minute uh, <laughs> easy run in people think we're crazy yes. you know but then you go overseas and those guys train eat and sleep uh trail running yeah so i know it's in different other sports as well it's the same issue um but i think we need to take our hats off to our athletes like you said um for, sure. for what they are doing and also at the same time we'd like to say thank you to all the various brands who are supporting our athletes absolutely while they are doing a nine to five you know saying okay you know we'll cover races we'll cover some kit etc just to kind of counter that and help them to be able to uh, perform on these international stages and and we need more of those um, type of assistance in the sport yeah Yeah. no incredible um and shawnee just looking at how trail running has grown i know you you mentioned it it briefly but we i had a a chat to to erin from from flat rock uh, Mm -hmm. a week or two ago and we talked about how, how the sport has boomed in the last 10 years. And, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned that it's not quite uh, a rugby yet or, mm. or kind of a cricket or one of the sports that's on, that is kind of loved and supported and mm. known by the whole nation, you know, yeah. whether, whether you're actually a fan of rugby <laughs> or not, you you know when the Springboks are playing. Yes, yes. And um, would you say, yeah, where, where do you see the, the, trail, the growth of trail running in South Africa going? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, more philosophical no, question for you yeah i think we're going spaces and we're going places um like i said there was a massive increase just in terms of the last few years of people getting interested in the sport um i always when we're running around you know sometimes we have to be in a city area or we're grabbing a coffee after a run or mission people looking at us with our little jackets you know <laughs> my so grandmother good. also calls it your, your clan bikey <laughs> you know uh, it <laughs> looks a bit jacket. weird but yeah. we also are so cool you know yes. trail runners are very cool and people want to know what is it about and what is trail running Uh, mountain is it mountain running hiking you know what is the difference um so i think all of us we we have uh, to take ownership 
leadership upon it in terms of just chatting to people, getting people into into the sport. Um, road running, everyone knows what road running is, but trail running, there's still a little bit of you know growth in it, but it yes. has really grown quite extensively over the last um, few years. Yes. And I think with big races like your maxi race, UTCT, uh, puffers, you know, yes. it's really putting the sport on the map because um, I was last year at UTCT and I saw someone who doesn't even do trail running and I saw him at an aid station I said what are you doing here and he's like no all this social media is is crazy it's like I want to be here I want to come and see what is ultra running about mountain running are these people mad you know so I think it is it looks amazing it looks great um just being out in nature uh it is very attractive the sport so um yeah what people don't see is the you know the falling in rivers and you know technical terrain (laughs) and tripping of your own feet and uh, mastering that you went through a phase of tripping there was was (laughs) a few times earlier this year must have been two or three times where i would i would see you and i'm like shawnee your knee or your arm and you're like oh yeah my knees are quite scarred but i think it's it's beautiful or scars it shows that i live my life you know that's excellent uh and and we're gonna kind of get get more into your your journey of how you transitioned into into trail running now. But just to to loop back, uh, Shawnee, I think I should have I should have started with a, a definition of, of what sport policy is and, mm. and what what Google told me was um, that sport policy sets clear goals and guidelines for how a sport can contribute to society. Mm. And mm. and what you know, I know you've written this article. A lot of your research has addressed this, as previously mentioned, on an elite and recreational level. But what what motivated you to kind of do a deep dive into that mm. with your research? Yeah. Um, what ma- what why sport policy? I know as a sports scientist, there are endless options of mm. what you can do your research on. But what made you kind of go into that? So yeah, I did my masters on the biomechanics of sprint. Um, so I, I thought maybe I'll do a PhD, you know, in the master the mastering the sprint biomechanics, you know, but yes. on a different level. And I sat there and I realized at one point in time, I was like, you know, when you do a PhD, you need to be able to contribute to society. And I really pride myself on doing translatory research. So that is making an impact. It's not just, you know, doing work in order to get uh, the PhD degree. It is really how is this work going to make an impact you know, in various sports or um, national federations, provincial federations. And um, that's where I just thought, why not look at elite sport policy? Um, Because yes, we have a massive focus on mass participation in South Africa, but elite sport is important. And you just mentioned when the Springboks wear their green and gold, there's this national pride that everyone has when they watch it. And it's like, wow, I'm so proud to be a South African. And that is the power that elite sport has. You see it with Olympic Games. You see it world champs. Just now we had the athletics world champs. Some people who never watch sport, they were just like, wow, have you been watching it? I'm like... Of course, I've of been course, watching, yeah. you know. Um, so it's just that contribution that sport has. And mm. um, I think using sport as a vehicle of change, you yeah, know, absolutely. tapping into the societal issues that we have, like unemployment, but not only unemployment, so youth unemployment, yeah. uh, gender inequality, um, safety concerns around women, gender-based violence, yeah. high teenage pregnancy, you know, all of those societal issues we can tackle it yes. through sport. Yeah. Um, it is not the direct goal, but through developing our sport and women and girls and inclusivity in the various yeah. uh, you know, environments, 
we can actually make a change. And Madiba knew that. And that's yes. why he used rugby as a tool to unite our nation um, pre the apartheid regime, mm. because he knew that this is a uniting um, aspect that could really bring people together rather than divide. So yeah. I think if we all realize when you are in a position of leadership or influence or just part of a trail crew or environment that you have an opportunity to change and influence people's lives just by letting them be there yeah. you don't even know Incredible. where they're coming from but you getting them into the sport they become really good they travel the world it's oh, they're changing so you're changing their lives and you're changing their family li- their families' lives and yeah. their trajectory in life as well as in their sport is then enhanced yeah. so there's a really deep um how do you say meaning behind sport that we sometimes don't tap into for know? sure and mm. and yeah just we're a nation where where sport has has touched the heart of this nation and, mm-hmm. and changed it for for the better um mm-hmm. we we've seen that nobody will ever forget the day that nelson mandela walked out onto the field mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. rugby world cup and it's it's really exciting for me. We're going to talk a little bit more about trail culture mm. now, and I mean that's that's the name of of this <laughs> podcast. But just how the sport is growing, that that there's a lot of positives. There's a lot of, as you've just mentioned, mm. areas we can still focus on. But I I just see that as as opportunity for mm-hmm. for growth in a positive direction and inclusive growth. Um, yeah, that's mm-hmm. it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And and from from the research side now, um, Shondre, what what is in the pipeline at the moment? Mm-hmm. Are you I feel like you might be cooking up something incredible. I don't know if you've got the time while training for the ultra and ultra, yeah, but yeah. yeah, what are you currently busy with, or what's in what's on your mind for for the future in terms of research? Yeah, so I'm actually yeah, I get so excited when I talk about research. I've got a really nice study that I'm doing in elite cycling, but I looked at the I'm almost done with the protocol, and I was like, wow, I can actually mimic this study. On trail runners. Oh, wow. Awesome. So I'm, I'm looking at the effect of contextual factors, um, but more the facilitating factors as well as barriers to women's performance. Incredible. In ultra sports. So you're looking at road cycling, elite road cycling, as well as then trail runners would be the next step. Because um, I've just been doing a lot of researching and, you know, chatting to women cyclists because I said I'm a mountain biker as well Um, and chatting to women trail runners there are so many barriers to their performance Mm. and just understanding it because the policies that are created are more you know revolving around male participants even if you look at research most of it focused around had subjects that were male participants but then those conclusions are then for males and females and we know that doesn't work so it's not that we're saying that we shouldn't focus on male research but there is a massive gap and need Mm, to focus on elite woman performance Um, so that is where I'm currently at I'm quite excited about it I've got at the moment uh, three PhD students and they're focusing on various aspects of elite sport two are mostly in a South African setting and one is looking at uh, trail running uh, specific Um, so yeah quite excited about making a change and as I said doing translatory research that has an impact yeah Amazing. All of the the links to finding uh, Dr. Jacobs' research is, are going to be in the show notes, so <laughs> so you guys don't have to don't have to worry. And that's a good segue into into topic two um, mm-hmm. for us today, which is I I titled this the the female athlete a deep dive. Mm. Um, 
And I think you are a strong and successful female by, by most definitions. And this flows into your approach to, to training and racing and, and just your running journey in general. And you've really put in the work since you transitioned over to the sport. I think mm -hmm. I, I met you and knew you in a very kind of running, but more track specific mm -hmm. background, um, giving class on that. And, and I don't know if you remember this, but you actually encouraged me to run my first 10K Really? Race. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> it was the Gino's Night Run. Do you Yay! remember that? Yes. So, so for those who don't know Stellenbosch, Gino's is the best pizza yes. uh, in this whole town. <laughs> they did not pay me to say that. <laughs> and um, I remember I, I was training and doing a bit of road stuff. And, and But this was a... It wasn't a trail run. It was an off-road run. They'd yes. say that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Part kind track, of type yes, of yes. track. And you said to me, well... Just, you know, go go and do do this thing. Have you heard? I don't even think you were doing it. And I, I thought, okay. Yeah, I and I signed it. myself up. Anyway, it was the longest 10K of my life because yes. I was used to running on the road. Yes. <laughs> and even just the inclines of, of this route, I, yes. I thought I was going to die. Um, oh, anyway, wonderful. so that's so funny. I, I just thought of that now. But um, <laughs> And then watching you transition, I know you're an excellent mountain biker as well. I have... Uh, I, I don't partake in, in that as a sport, mostly out of fear. But yeah, <laughs> mostly out of fear, but I've got, got mad respect for, mm -hmm. for the cyclists uh, out there. But yeah, as I said, you've, you've got into the sport, you've put in the work. Um, I, I even remember the first steady shakeout that, mm -hmm. that you at and uh, that you, you definitely brought your speed into, into trail running, <laughs> but um, yeah, I want to, want to chat to you about, I mean, you, you transitioned, so you came from a track background mm -hmm. yeah um so just chat to us briefly about about that transition yeah track to trail running oh that's actually a nice saying huh? track to trail running I like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah i should coin that <laughs> <laughs> no i i did track and field since i was a little girl uh i used to do 1200 um then i did 1500 then a little bit of 800 meters you know and then I remember I went then from 800 and I moved down to 400. Oh, and I did four and eight. You know, you always have a double, four and yes. eight or four and two. That pain and cave. Yeah, man. very. Yeah. It is. I always say to people, it's not um, racing a 400 meters that is tough. It is training for yes. a 400 meters. Yes. When you reach that lactate threshold and you need to keep moving, you know. So I think that helped me a lot in terms of my mindset, dedication to training because I know how it feels to be on the edge yes. um, and oh. I can try and push, you know, past that. But it was years of, you know, training that really exposed me to that. Um, but then there was a time I moved to 400, 200 and then here and there did 400, 800 just for some endurance, you know. But my main event was the 400 meters. And um, yeah, I made Western Province colors, went all the way up to SA Nationals yeah. for 400 meters. Um, and then later on, I used to do cross country. But that used to be just for, you know, having endurance in the off season, just trying to stay fit. Um, but then I would go do the, the league and then I would make Western Province colors as well. And the people used to fight with me because they're like, isn't it supposed to be off training? Yeah. Like off season. And I'm like, yeah, I love it. You yeah. know? So those 2Ks and 3Ks or 5Ks, you know, used to yes. be quite nice. At that time, 5K was a lot for me. You know, yeah. I was like, wow, yes. this is so far. Yeah, that's considered the, the long distance. Yeah. You've, you've moved on to yeah. onto that. Yeah. yeah. No, as, a, as a 400 meter specialist i can imagine you were like oh man this is so far 
<laughs> no, it was really fun. But um, no, I thoroughly enjoyed 400 meters, went to Europe, participated over there, you yeah, know, okay. with the 400 as the main focus, but 800s, you know, just for, for the endurance and 200s for speed. Um, and then there was just a point where you have to hang up your spikes, you know, every track and field runner, you know it coming. Yeah. When you just feel like you don't have that passion anymore to warm up, just to do a warm up, you know, you, there's no more, how do you say, passion, it's desire. Like yeah. 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 So I was just like, okay, I think it's, it's time to, to and, hang and that up. And what year was that? Um, I just finished my master's and I came back to South Africa and then I was like, okay, I, I worked, I started working at that time and I realized, you know, I don't have enough time to train. So I can't, I cannot have a mentality of tr giving 60% in my training, but then on race day expecting hundred percent, Yeah, you know, so the sure. input and the output is not, is not matching. And I never had time. I was tired because I was training athletes. I was the head sports scientist of the Western Cape. So I was training athletes. And at the time I was so exhausted by the time I got home, I was just like, I'm not getting in, yeah. you know, the time to train and I'm not having that passion anymore yeah. for the sport. And funny enough, before trail running, I actually did a little bit of road, a little bit. Did a two <laughs> oceans half marathon. Yes, you have a very impressive, a couple of impressive road times. <laughs> I, I do remember this. I have, I'm have now having flashbacks to last year. Was it the, the peace run, the gun run? Yes, the yes. Cape Town marathon peace that, run. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I, I can't remember the exact time, but I was, I was really impressed. Uh, <laughs> that was not planned. That was not planned at that's, all. I think that's why I, I saw you earlier that week and I asked you about, and then you, you said, oh, no, no, you're not, you're not doing, you're not doing the race or you had, it was something like, you're either going to do it with a friend or you're not. And the next thing I just see this blitz time <laughs> on Strava and I was like, go, Dr. Yeah, J. Yeah, it was supposed to be a charity run. That's it. And that's so why I didn't taper, uh, you know, because I was, was focused it. on yes. UTCT. And then I didn't taper for the race. And then uh, the gun went off and everyone just, everyone went. And I'm like, what? This is a charity run. And, you know, I mean, you can't. Competitive side yeah, kicks in. So I just started, I see Zola Bud coming past. I'm like, whoa, you know, okay. I'm in the mix. Let's, let's go. go yeah. <laughs> let's go. And yeah, I was like, I looked at my time. I was like, no, really? Okay. I, yeah. I, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, so awesome. yeah, I did a little bit of road and then it was farm racing. Just yes. racing, you know, on these fun, trail fun type of races. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. And then it was actually through Steady Shakeout, which, um, yeah, you'll probably chat about that later yeah, in a there. separate segment. But um, that was actually the first introduction and the first day. I'll never forget it. But I was shocked. Yeah. You know? I, I'm trying to, I think, I can't remember who it was the exact first day, but but we're going to get to some more Steady Shakeout now. Yeah. It's a group, group run in the, the town, Stellenbosch, that we're based in. But yeah. um, I think I remember seeing you. I was still studying at that time mm. and... And and you said you mentioned you know you were coming and you'd seen this group growing and mm. and then and then you asked me like do, do I need to bring anything and mm. I was like no just like come pitch yeah. up and then afterwards you were like dude why didn't you tell me to like bring water or something yeah. and I was like I didn't know but but to be fair I I remember that you didn't take a chilled on your first run I think yeah. you you went out with, with went out with the, the students because yeah. initially it was just our students so Simon yes. said to me 
just come. We're going to start this running group. Awesome. Just come, you know, and there's a beer afterwards. Um, and then, yeah, I just went and the students was like, oh, it's all our students. So yeah. it was really such a nice, uh, you know, thing. And the, the bug bit you. Yeah, 100%. And that, I mean, what year was that? That was 2019. It was when Steady Shakeout started yeah. because I remember, I know we're not supposed to chat about it now, but uh, it was our first run was to the mast. Yes. It was to the mast. And I remember asking, is this trail running? You know, <laughs> so good. I know we have this thing going around on social media saying, this is runnable, you know, runnable. It yes. was not runnable. No, no. Going up to the mast and I said, this is not running. This is hiking walking yes, you which know? is which is one of the components of trail running that, <laughs> that most people tend to forget about i'm yes. like you need to be good at hiking yeah. to, to do the sport but yeah. you know it's humbling when especially all the speedsters are not just saying it's runnable but are yeah. actually running where you're yes. hiking and yeah. not knowing that you are allowed to hike yeah yeah <laughs> no that's that's awesome um mm-hmm. and i mean you're 2019 to to now so you haven't been been on the, the trail scene that long but the mm. the progress you've made i mean that's just leaps and bounds mm-hmm. and <laughs> going from kind of extending your your track and the where 5k was long to you were specializing in the 21 kind of trail distance at, at a stage and, mm-hmm. and racing and running really competitively i remember your utct mm-hmm. kind of time and performance was incredible and then i think as as it does that ultra kind mm-hmm. of bug just bites and and earlier this year you got a coach yeah uh, for the first time so Mm-hmm. That's always interesting for me when sports scientists and I mean someone like you who knows so much get a coach. I'm yeah. like, oh, everybody needs out, <laughs> out, kind of an outside voice talking to them. So yes. yeah, tell us, tell us about that. Yeah, um, tell yeah. me why did why did you get a coach? Yeah, so um, I've I've been wanting a coach for a long time because as you could see, I was becoming very competitive in my shorter distances. Um, actually benefiting from the speed that I had from the track, uh, yeah. you know, track and field days. Um, and I drew up my own programs for uh, quite a long time. Um, and then I did UTCT last year and uh, I ran about three hours and it was high intensity, you know, that was being that 20, in the red. 21K, 1,200 yeah. meters of climbing. Yes. 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 So and it being was in the red for three hours is <laughs> it's different to being in the red for 800 meters on the track. 100%. Yeah. I was looking at my watch. I'm like, what? This is crazy. You know, this is crazy. I can't sustain this. As a scientist, I know, you know. Um, and But anyway, I, I was just like, no. And then I came to the end of the race and I I didn't enjoy it. Like, I did well in the race, but I just got to a point where I was just like, I love trail running for nature. Mm. I love it for the exploring aspect that it brings. I feel like Dora the Explorer when I go bundu bashing and through rivers and uh, climbing mountains. And, you know, for me, I just felt like this has become really fast. And and I must say the shorter distances has really become quite speedy, you know, and it's different energy systems that you are training um, so then I was just like, okay, I'm going to step over into ultras, um, but quite slowly because we mm-hmm. did the 13 peak challenge last year for, um, a charity run. And, um, I really enjoyed that experience. So yeah. that was the first kind of bite that I got from ultra trail yeah, running. Slower, um, seeing slower. New places. Yeah. I know. I think the trail, like the shorter trail scene now, I mean, most people or the majority of runners would dream of those times on the road, mm. let alone the trail, yes. for the, the shorter, the 21k distance, yeah. um, even up to, to the marathon, some of the more mm-hmm. 
runnable marathons. I mean, it's impressive times for, for the road. It's unreal. Yeah. yeah. And I take my hat off to the guys. You know, there's always this debate about what is better, the shorter distances or the ultras, yeah. and everyone's going bigger, you know. But to do this fast, short races is completely yeah. different training. And it's actually quite hard. It's very hard. You need to be powerful. You need to have strength and yeah. you need to have that speed endurance. Yes. Then you need to have the skill of meandering through a technical terrain, and but very speed. quickly. Yeah. 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 And then trying to get your nutrition in and staying mentally focused. It's, it's a lot of aspects to take in. So I think it's, it's, it's two different types of sports within trail running. You get your ultras and then you get your short, fast type yeah, of distances, sure. you know. Um, so I, I just got to a point where I asked myself a realistic question, you know. For me, I used to do sport quite competitively from a young age. And um, for me, enjoyment and passion is always the goal and the key. And I was just like, I'm, I'm not enjoying this. I enjoy adventure. Yeah. And then um, at UTCT, I met Hillary and she came yes. to shake out for a little bit of a run. And then we went to Gino's afterwards yes. and chatted with her just a little bit about, you know, science, because she's also a scientist. So Hilary Allen, sorry, she um, won the UTCT 100 miler last year. Mm. Uh, and yeah, she just came to yeah, visit. She she's from the States. The yeah. yeah. And we were just chatting about sports science and, you know, training women and how you need to train women differently based on the menstrual cycle. And I just like the way she thought, you know, yeah, her incredible. ideas and her thinking and then I said uh, yeah I'm actually looking over to you know stepping over into ultra and I'm going to look for a coach and she's like you know why do we chat and then why do we chat when she gets back to the states and then we had a team's meeting and yeah now Rush she's my history. coach yeah yeah amazing yeah and and how has your how's your training changed since since getting her I know you mentioned you were putting your own training together and I mean that wasn't a a thumb suck approach <laughs> or a kind of <laughs> You, you were drawing from a lot of kind of resources mm -hmm. knowing you. I know you would have chatted to a couple of people who mm -hmm. have been in the sport and, and obviously you've got your sports science background. So yeah. what would you say is kind of the major change that you've noticed since yeah. getting a coach? Yeah. Yeah. So um, like you said, I, I had the knowledge, but it's so nice to just go on training peaks and just oh, go and see, yeah. oh, you know, I, I always think I'm problem solving. I always doing everything at work. Uh, at a very you know high pace so for me just to get that pressure off of sitting and trying to understand what I need to do it was really nice just to have that and I think um, her focus is very individualized to a specific race um, so when I did JMC it was very looking at the race profile yeah. going from a general prep to then really focusing on race specifics yes. um, so the big change was really focusing on long runs time on legs okay. but then having a hiking type of vert focus so really um changing from runnable just normal runnable training sessions but really getting out there on rough terrain practicing sometimes on the route and what a massive focus in in my training at the moment is doing gut training and that is training your nutrition yes. and training your your gut and stomach to you know take certain substrates and how you feel um, and seeing what works and what doesn't work so I, I really focus on that in my training sessions and it's it's been quite good you know and um, what I like about the training program that she writes she knows I like to mountain bike so I'd use that as a cross training to 
kind of deload the joints from compressive, you know, um, forces. Action, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, from the trail running, and then a lot of gym work as well, uh, nice. and then rehab for my Achilles, and then um, yeah, just recovery runs and things like that. So I like the mix because if I ask a question, um, you know, I get a scientific answer back, so I understand. Yes. Like we speak oh, the same language, you know. Mm-hmm. No, that's incredible. And it sounds like she, un- she understands you as an athlete mm-hmm. and a person, which which makes all the difference. Yeah. I think that coach-athlete relationship is, is pretty close and mm-hmm. having somebody who's just on the same page as you is, yeah. is great. And, yeah. and I'm going to ask you more about your, your training and, and some of the female-specific challenges, but, but for now, we're going to take a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we've been chatting and recording for a bit, so mm-hmm. yeah, you guys are just going to have to follow along for episode two. Okay, thank you.